I think there's one of the greatest gifts a leader can give their team or their family or whoever is to ground the team in this philosophy of there is always an answer. 10% of the population controls 90% of the money and it's time to close this wealth gap. My name is Perry Jeffries III and I'm here to unlock the power of the 10% so you can grow your financial intelligence. Welcome to Cashflow Unlocked. On this podcast, I'll be sharing proven strategies and exclusive tips that will get you one step closer to financial freedom. If you're ready to level up your finances, head over to freecashflowmasterclass.com and enroll in my free wealth building masterclass today. All right, let's get started. Thank y'all for joining me today. My name is Perry Jeffries. I'm known as the Entrepreneur CFO. I'm the president of Diamond Equity Advisors, a full-service investment advisory firm uh, specializing in cash management for businesses and retirement planning for families. Our company is known as the Cash Flow Concierge Company. And uh, kind of just to share our vision with you, our goal is to help close the wealth gap one business at a time. Here recently, uh, data came out that said that the leading driver of wealth creation in the United States has gone from legacy and inheritance to entrepreneurship. So we want to help close that gap and help put individuals in a position to take care of their families and their friends and just have a, a quality of life that they really deserve. So before we get started with this episode, y'all, uh, I want to share a quick thought of the day. And this is a quote from John Maxwell. Uh, Everything rises and falls with leadership. And I'll say that one more time, y'all. Everything rises and falls with leadership. So whether we're talking about your business, whether we're talking about your personal finances, whether we're talking about your family, your church, your organization, everything rises and falls with leadership. And uh, that's, that, that quote means a lot to me. Um, uh, for those who don't know, I'm a John Maxwell uh, certified speaker and coach. And the guest we have with us today was the person who kind of twisted my arm uh, several years ago, I think it was almost five years ago, uh, mm-hmm. to go do this together. So uh, a client who's been with me for so long, I think we might be going on about 15 years now, uh, but more than a client, really a friend. And I'm so excited to bring her on board because uh, of those who don't know, one of our core values at Diamond Equity Advisors is being what's called an ecosystem engineer. We really, in our hearts, believe that if we help others achieve their goals, will be taken care of. So what we've been doing is just highlighting just some of the, you know, just absolute phenomenal people who is in our network, especially our clients, just so you can hear about their stories and they can share some value with you and things of that nature. So that's who we have joining us today is one of my close friends and clients, uh, Miss Aurel Jackson. And what I'm going to do is read her bio here super quick because she has a really, really phenomenal story. Uh, that I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys. So when we look at her bio here, uh, Rail Jackson is the president of Limitless Growth Strategies, LLC, an executive coach, speaker, writer, and trainer with more than 20 years of executive leadership experience. Rail Jackson is recognized for developing and optimizing strategies, delivering high-value solutions, and building strong relationships with individuals, community organizations, faith-based organizations, and corporate partners. She has led several nonprofit organizations and served in leadership roles in healthcare. She has a proven record building strong, cohesive, successful teams by focusing on leadership development, encouraging innovation, building consensus, consensus and engagement, and employing sound 
project management techniques. So that's her bio, right? So that's her official bio. But what I'm going to share with you guys is how I know uh, OJ. And that's why I call her affectionately as OJ for short. Um, she, first of all, we just have a phenomenal friendship. But several years ago, I had this idea that I was going to start a company called Financially Fit. P-H-Y, naturally fit. And a lot of people kind of remember that. Yeah, Perry, we love that. Combining health and wealth. Well, what you don't know in the background, this is the woman who was helping me put that whole concept together. I remember sitting down at a dining room table and we're trying to, you know, figure out WordPress and get the idea and the strategy together. It's like, hey, want to do health and wealth? And well, Perry, let's put a blog together, right? So, you know, when I think about those individuals who've helped me along the way in my development and my growth uh, as an entrepreneur and, and, and a businessman, you know, you think about the people who are with you, like at the ground, at the, like the groundbreaking, like not, not the ribbon cutting. I'm talking about going from idea, like, hey, I think this is a cool idea. What do you think to actually put on some things in motion? And those conversations that we had uh, several years ago, OJ, uh, when I think back and kind of see where our, our company is now and where we started, it's just mind blowing to me and just so, so thankful uh, for our relationship. So with that said, y'all, introducing uh, uh, my good friend, Aurel Jackson. So glad to have you here, OJ. Tell us what's going on with you. Tell us what you're up to these days. Tell us what you're doing with uh, Limitless Growth uh, uh, Strategies. Just welcome and have you here. Thanks, Perry. And thanks for the, the nice intro. I appreciate that. And um, I think I value our friendship so much because, um, you know, I think I've served as a mentor to you, but you often serve as a mentor to me. Um, and an accountability partner too, which is uh, sometimes I've really needed that. So, so I appreciate that. So, um, you know, I've been focusing for the last six or seven months really on trying to add value to, to the world, you know, in this really crazy situation we're in, just looking for ways that I can bring something um, of value. And so one of the things I've been focusing in on is on helping individuals to up their leadership um, whether they're an official leader or whether they are leading themselves or their family or a team, just to really up their leadership skills and um, to figure out how to do that and how they in turn can bring value to the world that they live in. So, um, you know, I, I really, I think one of the things that I believe in so strongly is the, the human potential that we all have. And, you know, I think, um, those of you who know me know that I'm a reluctant but ardent gardener. And so I use a lot of gardening analogies because I think I, I've learned so many life lessons from having my hands in the dirt. Um, and one of those things is that sense of um, being willing to trap and have hope in the future. You know, right now I'm starting to sort of prepare my garden for the winter and the commitment that I'm putting into that is that there will be a spring, that mm. life will, you know, as I'm seeing things begin to die back, I'm also preparing, I'm preparing the soil, I'm preparing the plants so that there is hope for the future. And I take that into my the world of coaching to sort of remind people that, you know, you may not see your potential, you may not feel your potential, but it is there. It needs some co co 
coaxing and coaching and but it needs that sense of you know you sometimes need a coach sometimes you need a mentor sometimes you need a friend and sometimes you have to be all of those things to yourself because you've got to nurture that potential and then come spring let it burst through the soil into the most beautiful incredible plant so you know this is my passion is sort of really being the believer and the champion of human potential so, OJ, um, this is phenomenal. I, I was just taking my notes here. So I want to dissect some of the stuff that you cover here, which I think is just so powerful here. But, but one of the first questions I'll ask you is, in, in light of everything that's going on in the world right now, so obviously we have a pandemic. We have what's going to look looks like is going to be a crazy election season. Uh, we have heightened racial tension, like all of these things, like how important is it for us to develop as leaders during a time like this? Like, what are your thoughts on that? I think there's no more important time for leaders to emerge and for good, strong, sound leaders to emerge. We need leaders now more than ever. And again, you know, I'm not only referring to people who have a leadership title. I'm talking about leading your family And most important of all, and most difficult of all, is leading yourself. Mm. I mean, let's be honest, we're the hardest person to lead is yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, if you have a family, and and particularly if you have children, your role as parent is so key in a time like this. Wow. Manage your expectations, their expectations to sort of really shepherd those you love through this time. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. You know, if you hold an official leadership position, you know, to be that source of inspiration and, um, and also that sense of calm. Yeah. OJ, I could, I couldn't agree with you more here because, you know, a lot of times when people hear leadership, they're thinking, oh, are we talking about the general? Are we talking about the president? Are we talking about the, the manager, the CEO? Uh, but we all have leadership ability, which is kind of that, you know, that, uh, that, that fruit, that gardening piece that you were talking about. But definitely in this time right now, we need solid leaders to emerge, especially uh, for the children. And, and and the families and things to that nature. So I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing with respect to that. Something else you said right here, I love this gardening analogy. And if I'm not mistaken, isn't your logo an acorn or something along those lines? What's the story behind that? Because I know that's kind of a, a spin on, on the gardening piece too. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes. So it was the, one of the first things I chose when I decided to start my own companies. I knew I wanted an acorn because there's a quote by James Allen that says, the oak sleeps within the acorn. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not quoting exactly, but that's essentially what it is. And yeah. it's an incredible analogy because, you know, when you pick up an acorn, what you're doing is you're holding in your hands all the potential of an oak tree in this tiny little acorn. It's absolutely wow. incredible. But the acorn has got to land in the right place and it's got to get nurtured in the right way because many acorns fall off a tree. Not mm-hmm. all of them become oak trees, but all of them have the potential. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of James Allen. I think if anybody wants to feel inspired to read, um, 
you know, um, any of James Allen's work. It's just very inspirational. But that oak sleeps within the acorn. I just like have this vivid picture. If I cut open an acorn, I'd see a little baby oak tree. And it's <laughs> you know, the DNA of it is there, right? Wow, wow. So, so many different levels with this. Now, now for those uh, listening, uh, including myself, who's not a, you know, not that versed in trees, uh, oak trees are pretty big. Uh, oak trees are a, bit, a pretty big tree, right? It's like one of the you know, grandest trees you can find, right? Like it's got it. So, yeah, so that is amazing when you think about, you know, because, you know, you'll find an acorn and maybe throw it or pick it up in your tiny little things. But so powerful what you said, the DNA of a of a strong, sturdy, huge tree is in that acorn. But to your point, it has to land in the right environment. So something you talked about with your garden was, you know, that nurturing, right? right? You're preparing mm-hmm. for the spring. Like it's fall and you're already starting to prepare for the spring. I think a lot of folks sometimes miss that OJ where, you know, they kind of want things to happen right now mm-hmm. and not realizing that you have to plant those seeds or into your point right now, going to a different mode of, okay, we're past this season, but we want to be prepared for the upcoming season. Just kind of speak to that nurture piece a little bit when you uh, kind of tie it in when you said, you know, that that seed has to fall in the right, you know, environment or uh, to, to be able to grow. So talk about that a little bit. So I think, you know, nurturing our potential is um, is not always, war- you know, I think when we say the word nurture, we think of this like warm, cozy, like nice embrace like it's real <laughs> fuzzy right but sometimes nurturing our potential is the hard work it is the um it's the self-discipline that's required it's the it's putting in time and effort and resources um to ensure that you are you are developing that potential um so it's not all about like you know being soft and fuzzy it's about being willing to put in the hard work and to be but it's that trust as well that if I put in this hard work I don't have to see the evidence now Mm -hmm. to know that it will work or that it's it is already working but at a level that I can't necessarily see or the rest of the world can't see so part of that hard work is around what we're doing with this organ between our ears, our mind. Mm. And, you know, I think it's so important um, to realize, you know, no matter what your role in the world is, you have enormous power to choose how you think about something. And that's really, I think, one of the things I've been trying to help my clients focus on is that realization that there is some sense of control because I think especially in our current environment it seems like the world is on fire Uh everything seems to be out of our control well we can still bring control to ourselves through the way we think and the choices we make I love that um, OJ, something I um, I watched here recently is a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend anybody, if you haven't seen that, check it out because I watched it. Then I told my wife, I said, babe, we got to watch this. And then just so happened, the girls were here and said, hey, we're going to watch this together. And in it, it talked about, you know, social media and the good, you know, the good and the bad. But one of the things that really stuck with me is how through social media, you start to develop, start, uh, social media can uh, um 
start to change your thoughts about things. Or as you own social media, if, if your thread only has people who see things a certain way, you start to kind of get this confidence like, oh, this is what it really is because, hey, everybody on my social media thread, everybody on my IG or my Facebook thinks the exact same way. So this has to be right, not realizing that there may be an opposite side of that coin where people you know, are seeing things totally different. Um, so to your point right there, I love this conversation about mindset around choosing how you think about something, right? Um, let's talk about that a little bit because I know we, we, we talked a little earlier about different things you can do from a mindset development standpoint because it's, it's funny as we have these, these conversations with um, you know, our clients and other entrepreneurs, yeah. mindset always comes up as a talking point. Like I don't know if we've had now one person on here yet who didn't say something about mindset. So let, let's talk about mindset because this is, this is something that you're actually specializing in is helping people see things. So kind of just you know, give, us, give us some feedback on that. Right. So uh, one of the things I've been doing is running a mastermind um, with um, individuals, but also with um, with teams and organizations really to, um, it's focused on sort of navigating or leading through a crisis. It's based on John Maxwell's work and he, he introduces 11 different perspectives or mindsets that he thinks are really important. And I think that um, you know, this is not only valuable for a crisis and for this crisis, it's valuable for any crisis or any challenging time um, or even just dealing with change, you know. So mm. I think, you know, as I've gone through this with people, many times I'm doing it in a corporate setting, but people in the group are saying, oh my gosh, yeah, that would be so helpful at home. I need to take this home with me. Or, you know, I need to personally remember this. And then certainly applicable, you know, it's applicable in the workplace. But this, the, the sudden sort of realization that we don't have to be caught up in the noise. We mm. choose what we're going to listen to, what we're going to watch, and and how much we're going to do of it. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that's really important. Because it's so easy right now just to get roped into it, right? You know what I'm saying? Just go, fall into that rabbit hole of this yeah. over here. Like, oh, and then next thing you know, and absolutely. Well, I don't, I don't know if we have time to cover all 11 OJ, but, you know, if you want to give us a couple, let's, uh, you know, because I, I, I love, I love to get some of these. Yeah. And then maybe, and then we can obviously have your contact information where if people want to reach out to you and, yeah. and kind of maybe learn all 11. But what, what are some that kind of like sticks yeah. out the most? So I'm going to tell you some of my favorites, which is... okay. You know, I know when I do this, I warn people up front. Like I'm, I'm going to say, like this is my favorite, or this is one of my favorites for almost all of them. But I'm going to start. I'm going <laughs> to do like my, my two, my two absolute favorites. Let's start with those. The first is everything worthwhile is uphill, and I think this sort of goes to the um, importance of understanding um, that life is not going to be easy all the time, and the things that are worthwhile are going to require work. Going uphill is work, right? I think one of the big problems is that our goals and our aspirations live uphill and uh-huh. our habits live downhill. Uh-huh. We have to overcome <laughs> the downhill habits to be able to make the climb to our goals, our aspirations, our vision, which is uphill. But I think if you think about this from a leadership perspective, and again, uh-huh. leadership from wherever you are, yep. This is about helping your team or whoever you're leading or even just yourself to understand that 
you know, this is not, you know, I'm all for vision, right? Having a vision. But you have to start in reality. You have to ground yourself in reality and then move towards your vision. And that is going to take work. I think a lot of people um, like to think, well, if I just visualize it enough, it'll happen. Well, it will if you put in the work, right? (laughs) Right. Right. And so I think when you can when you can work with your team or your family and say, okay, guys, this is going to be challenging, but this is what we want. This is what we have decided our goal is, you know, whether it's your family saving to go on a vacation or, you know, your team trying to finish a challenging project, Mm -hmm. being able to, as a leader, ground your team in reality and then rally them and inspire them to climb the hill. Wow. And I think just that reminder constantly that everything worthwhile is uphill is just so valuable. It's sort of that reality check that we always need. Indeed. OJ, so I love this. Everything worthwhile is uphill. And I love what you say right there. It's grinding reality. It's so crazy to me sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to folks, especially entrepreneurs, and say, hey, what's your vision? Because vision is super important, right? Mm-hmm. Vision allows us to customize and, and, and reverse engineer and work our way back. But if they're not crystal clear on the starting point and the reality, how can you like reverse engineer and say, hey, this is the vision. We want to have a million dollar or a seven figure business, or, you know, we want to have, you know, $10,000 in savings. But if we don't know our starting point and we're not crystal clear and grounded in that, you can't move forward. Like what, why do you think, are we just wired that way to just go vision, but not want to deal with the reality? What is that about? I like to think it's our three-year-old self that never really goes away. Okay. When you're three, you can throw a temper tantrum and so, and like, depending on who your parents are or how stressed they are that day, they may give them <laughs> to you, right? I think when we're under stress, we never, ever lose our three-year-old self, right? Huh. And so if we could get there easily and or we could complain about it enough and people would like push us up the hill or carry us up the hill or flatten the hill, it would be so much easier, right? So much easier. Where are those people? I'm trying to find them. Where are those people at? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, so I think I do think we're sort of, we are wired to want everything to be easy. But okay. that's where the self-discipline comes in. And that's where, you know, it's that going back to sort of unlocking the DNA of the oak tree. Yeah, that I love that. Yeah. I love that. This is good. This is good. Okay. You said you had another one that was like a, a, a definitely okay. a favorite, so this but this is, is good. This is my absolute favorite. Okay. There's always an answer. Huh. That's simple enough. Okay. Right. Go ahead and flush it out for us. There's so, always an answer. You know, I, I um, had a mentor who um, the first day I met him, he was a part of a team I was on. He, he, we were lead, both leaders. And the first day I met him, he said to me, I want you to know that I come from a point or a philosophy that there is always an answer. So no matter what happens, there's going to be an answer. We'll figure it out. And I don't know why I had never heard that before, but I was like completely shocked, like in a good way. Yeah. And I thought, holy moly, this is incredible. And you know what the best part was that he proved that he lived that way because we did encounter issues. We did encounter problems. And when it was so freeing to know that when he and I sat down, we were both of the same mindset that no matter what the problem was, there's an answer. 
Mm. There's a solution. And so we suddenly were freed up to be creative and to be hopeful because we firmly believed that there's always an answer. I have to tell you that I use this, um, this little mindset statement all the time. I use it with myself. Like I will get hit with something and I will retreat into my three-year-old self (laughs) or I'll be crying and whining internally and I allow myself like that moment and Uh then I say this out loud. There is always an answer. And now it's just the case of maybe climbing up the hill to find the answer. But that sense of... um, confidence and certainty that I get and that I've seen others, you know, when I've led teams, it says something, um, it gives the team like the safe place to be. And, you know, if you think, if you bring, I think there's one of the greatest gifts a leader can give their team or their family or whoever is to, to ground the team in this philosophy of there is always an answer. Because imagine now you say, like, let's say it's your family. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a problem, but they know that you lead from this philosophy of there is always an answer. Suddenly they can take a breath. They can relax. You can relax. And because you know that together you will find an answer. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, I think, I think this is probably, as I said, the, greatest gift a leader can give the the people that they work with or that they live with um, is this sense of certainty and um, safety even to sort of like take a moment, pause and say, okay, like I know this feels terrible right now, Uh but we also know that there's always an answer and we're going to get there. And I just think this is like, this to me is dynamite it's almost too simple but sometimes we want to overcomplicate things and oh it has to be x y and z and all these different moving points but just simply put there's always an answer so as you were as you were sharing that oj this is what kind of popped in my mind is that yeah there is if you if you function from that standpoint there's an answer but many of us don't so what are we what are we on what's the opposite side of the coin that is just a problem and there is no answer like what's the what's the opposite of what are most people doing because I don't think most people including myself you know what I'm saying I'm I'm going to take this away as well it's like hey tough situation there's always an answer but what are people doing what's the opposite side, opposite of what people are doing if they're not doing this I think they get I think we get overwhelmed I think it just you know, and depending on what else is going on in our lives, if we're dealing with one problem, I think it's very easy to remind ourselves, you know what, like we'll we'll get through this, you know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. But when you've layered problems on top of the each other and oh. it's complicated and complex these days, it can yeah. feel overwhelming. And if we also don't have resilience, mm. you know, if like if your team is is sort of at a weak point or there's been a lot of negativity or you know, your family is sort of, this is like, like problem number 52. Right. <laughs> it can, right. This is where it's important for that leader to be able to say, Hey, like, let's take a moment and let's regroup. We know we can get through these things because we know there's an answer. We just have to find it. And again, then being open-minded enough and willing to consider that somebody else may have the answer, not you. Huh. 
Oh. <laughs> the answer may look different from what you thought it would. OJ, what do you talk about? I always got the answer. I have the right answer all the time. What do you talk about? Somebody else might have an answer. I don't know what you're talking about. I concur on that, but apparently, sometimes other people have the answer too. That's what they tell me. <laughs> But yes, yeah, so I think it's a, we can just sometimes get really, really overwhelmed. And, yeah. and you know, these things often don't happen one at a time. It's sort of a, a cluster of things that are happening. Yeah. And so as a result, we are worn down, we are tired, we, and, and we just sort of, it, 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 and again, it, the default position is to kind of retreat and say like, if I just hide away, maybe it'll go away. Or if yeah. I don't do something, somebody else will do it. But if you're a leader, you're the one who steps up, who steps forward, who says, I'm here. This is awesome. So, OJ, I think that like you hit that nail on the head as far as that opposite side of the coin and that overwhelm, because mm-hmm. we're seeing that now kind of with the pandemic. You know, the conversations I've been having with folks is like, hey, there are so many different moving parts going on right now. We're looking at obviously the pandemic and not knowing what that's going to transition look like here in the next 6, 12, 18 months. We're looking at unemployment sky high. We're looking at uh, you know, businesses functioning at 50% capacity, if not less. We're looking at, you know, the stock market acting totally out of normal and being up sky high and 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 our gross domestic product and how people are spending is down low. You couple that with, you know, an election, you couple that with uh racial tension, you couple that with businesses. And to your point, you're getting all of this stimulus and it can be overwhelming. Like, wow, it is so much going on. So do you do you try to tackle the 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 um the culmination of all of those things, or do we try to maybe chop them up and and tackle one thing at a time? Like, how do you even go about? I guess my question is, yeah. how do we even go about dealing with that overwhelm? Right. So I think this um, one of the things here is uh, this is why it's important for you to have figured out ahead of time what your values are. Right. Now, maybe this sounds weird, suddenly talking about values, but if you know what your values are, it allows you to prioritize what's going on in your life, right? I like that. Keep keep going with that, OJ. I like this. If you, if you, maybe let's use a family as an example. If, you know, I know you've said to me, you know, your, your company sort of sat down and decided what your values were. Now, when things come up, a, a new project comes your way or a project fails or, you know, whatever it is, you make decisions based on the values that you have already agreed upon. Right. There you go. Then, then it becomes easier to prioritize. Then it's not a case of trying to solve everything at the same time. It's saying like, okay, let's look at what's going on. What aligns with our values? What doesn't, that doesn't align with my values. Can I let it go? Can I give it to somebody else? Um, You know, where does it, does it fit? If it's one of your values, again, then it's prioritized. This, is it urgent and important or urgent and not important? And, you know, using that, those sort of metric, those matrix blocks of, you know, urgent and important. Um, But the big thing is if you haven't decided on your values, if you haven't committed to your values, before the storm hits, it becomes very difficult then in the midst of a crisis or the midst of a storm to figure out where to put your energy. Wow, OJ. You thought about what's really important to you. 
while you were while you were saying that, I started going through just an analogy in my head, like you know, it's to to your point. So when we go visit uh, Florida, right, mm-hmm. and I was like, what are all of these nails, like all of these boats on people's windows, like what is that about? And somebody explained, well, like yo, hurricanes come through here. You know, what I'm saying quite frequently. I was like, oh, so they already are pre, they are already ready that if a hurricane or something is coming through, that they that they don't have to go and figure out that hey, here are the boards. Boom. And zoo, 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 because everything is already predetermined. So they already, from a value standpoint, said, hey, when this, if a storm comes through, we know it's coming through at some point in time. We don't know. It's not an if. It's kind of like a wind, wind type. When is this storm coming through? We're already prepared for it. So we know we need to protect the windows. And then they probably have some type of plan on the back end, like, hey, make sure we pull all, all of the jewelry into this room or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it looks like. Hey, hide the kids in the basement. But to your point, <laughs> right, to your to your point, they already have a plan because they've already said, hey, this is what we value. These are our values. So when a storm comes, you're already prepared for it. That's amazing for you to put it that elegantly and just easily understand. That's huge. So folks really need to get focused on just taking a time out and saying, hey, what are our values? What is it that we value? And then that helps you, to your point, prioritize where you need to put your energy. Wow, that's super powerful there, OJ. Okay, let's do a quick pivot here because mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we save some time here to highlight what you do. So um, obviously, you know, you, you spoke about the masterminds and the things that you do. Mm-hmm. Tell us, you know, say a little bit of how your your company serves the community and, and you know, the type of clients that typically gravitate towards you or the type of clients that you like to work with. Yeah. Kind of tell us a little bit about that. Yes, so um, I certainly do. I do a a fair amount of team building um, because, you know, I'm certified to administer the DISC assessment. Um, So that's a really great tool. I know you've done it. I've done it Mm -hmm. with you. um, Mm -hmm. And it's really a great tool to understand your communication styles. Now, if you take that into a team setting um, and everybody on the team does that, then I do a group debrief meeting Mm -hmm. where I explain how everybody's um, preferences for communication um, align and how best to work together. And so it can really take a, a team that's working really well mm-hmm. to a team that really is just incredibly powerful because of the level of understanding of how to get, how to best work together. And oftentimes it's just a little tweak. It's an understanding of, you know, like, hey, Perry only wants the bottom line stuff. He does not want all the niceties first. He doesn't want to hear about your children. He wants to get to the bottom line. Um, You're you're talking like somebody who may know me, OJ. Keep going. (laughs) But I also know, like, if I'm talking to, you know, another friend of mine, I have to, that person's wired differently. Their communication is different. So I'm going to have to do some of the niceties first for them to then sort of relax into it and then we can get into like a more serious discussion. So I use the DISC assessment with both my individual coaching clients, but I also do it for teams. Um, On the individual coaching side, I um, work with a fairly wide variety of people. I would say that for most of my clients are sort of um, already in leadership positions, maybe it's their, their, you know, they're not like, it's not maybe their first leadership position, but or else they're looking to get into leadership. So they, they may be like technically at the top of their game, but now they're sort of ready to move into leadership and they want to know how best to do that. 
And as a result of that, I've also started to work with clients who are in transition, a career mm. transition. So not that I'm, I help them to find a job. I help them to position themselves. Mm. I help them to understand how best to approach their job search. And talk about themselves using tools like the DISC assessment, but also working a lot on confidence and mindset. Yeah. Um, and giving them the language to be able to sort of present themselves at their best in an interview. Um, and then also, um, you know, just sometimes people who are transitioning out of a career into retirement, sort of wanting to move from being, you know, maybe a high flyer into like, what do I do next? You know, wanting to feel valuable and yeah. of value. Um, so that's been interesting. And then I'm uh, right now, one of the things I'm working on, which I'm excited about is I'm developing a customized leadership development program for an agency. Um, so it's going to be for new and emerging leaders in their organizations. Okay. So it's going to be customized to them. So it'll be general leadership principles, but then I've sort of really been working with their leadership team to understand what their specific needs would be from a new or emerging leader. So sort of in that world of, of leadership, I would say though that everything does for me sort of hinge on that everything rises and falls on leadership and, yeah. and, and how we get there is by working with our mind and, and making sure that we choose to use our mind in the most effective way. I love it. I love it. So um, what I want to do is, I don't, I, we don't have too much time left here, but I do want to, for those who aren't familiar with the DISC assessment, kind of talk about that a little bit. So if I was to give kind of like my, my general uh, layman's term um, description of the assessment, when I used to work with my sales team, I would tell them, understand something you have to speak the language of the person who's sitting in front of you. And either you're going to have a person who's just give me the facts. You're going to have a person who's like, I, I, I want all the detail, right? That person who's wired like an engineer. You're going to have that person who's like, hey, I just want to know whether or not I can trust you. Do I like you, right? Uh, you're going to have that person who's like, I'm here because I'm here to care for somebody else. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm that caregiver, whatever the case may be. And when I used to tell my team's worth like, hey, as soon as you sit down in front of somebody, you have to get crystal clear on who's sitting in front of you. Because if you're talking to someone who's a shark or kind of like wired the way I am uh, via the DISC assessment, um, I, I just want the facts. I don't need a whole bunch of fluff and all of that. Just mm-hmm. boom. But if you're, if you're speaking to a shark and you're giving them a whole bunch of detail, you're going to lose that person. And from a leadership standpoint, I think a lot of that comes down to is how you communicate effectively with people, right? Your leadership is, a, is, is communication. So talk a little bit about the DISC assessment because this kind of just ties into just so much. One, from a mindset standpoint, understanding that how you communicate is not how the world around you communicates, all right. But also, too, from a leadership standpoint, everything rising and falls with leadership. You have to be able to effectively communicate or most of one, but some people but communicate or connect or something along those lines. I forgot the, uh, the title of the book. But are you connecting with people? You can't connect with me if we're not speaking similar languages. So just speak a little bit. Let's speak a little bit to the DISC assessment, uh, because I think that's like a very, very helpful tool. It's helped me in business as well as with my family. But go ahead, please. So, yeah, it's a really great, um, it's a self-assessment. So it's a very, very short questionnaire, almost shockingly short. And what you come out of it with is a 30-page 
report, which gives you an enormous amount of information about yourself, about how you prefer to communicate based on your preferences, but it also gives you a way to understand how other people that you encounter um, would want to communicate. Because, you know, it's true, as you said, you know, so the book title is Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. There it is. Uh, but so, yes, yeah, so this is, I think what, I think a lot of us, when we think about communicating to somebody, we think, we think about the message we want to get across. And what we should be thinking about is how do I tell Perry what I need Perry to know uh-huh. to get Perry to do what I need him to do? I think we focus in on, I've got a message and Perry had better understand it and do what I want him to do. <laughs> And, and then we're surprised when it doesn't work, right? But right. in fact, we should be thinking about, like, how do I take my message, give it to Perry in a way that resonates with him, uh-huh. will motivate him to do what it is that I need him to do. And so the DISC assessment has so much really great information on understanding yourself, you know, and you know, so it divides you into the four categories of the DISC. So the D is going to be the dominant person. The mm-hmm. I is that really outgoing life and soul of the party, um, mm-hmm. you know, the exact opposite of an introvert, I'd say, you know, <laughs> is, is, you know, that sort of real team player, the stable kind of person who, who's sort of friends with everybody. Um, mm-hmm. And then the C is the person who's really detailed, detail oriented. Mm-hmm. So they're going to want to have all of the information. Now, all of us are a combination of those four. <laughs> Most of us have, you know, one to three dominant characteristics. So I remember correctly, you had one and it was dominant. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was like, it was like this dude. <laughs> but, but it's, like, no, no, have, no wonder. <laughs> I have three sort of dominant characteristics, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's really helpful. You know, I, as I say, I do it with all my, my individual coaching clients because not only does it help them, but it helps me to know exactly how to tailor my coaching to be most effective for them. And I, you know, I always laugh and I tell my clients, like when you do the DISC assessment, I'll know whether you are going to be on time for your appointments or not. Mm-hmm. And whether you're going to do the, the work that I, that I, I ask you to do. And it's mm-hmm. true. And they, they actually start to realize it as well. And so it is, you know, I think the more, we understand ourselves, the more awareness we have of ourselves, the more we can actually become aware of, of what, where others are and how to meet others in the most effective um, sort of place and space to make that connection effective. OJ, so, so I, I got to share a personal story here uh, just so this can resonate and kind of tie in with what you're saying. So this is something that you do for, you know, organizations, teams, expiring leaders, people in transition. So just those folks, you know what I'm saying, who, who realize that, hey, we want to go to the next level and we realize let's go to the next level. We have to get better at leadership, right? So a lot of folks listen to this. We're like, well, maybe that doesn't really apply to me. Well, uh, I'll share this quick story with you guys. So I was in the process of uh, hiring uh, a new staff member and I reached out to uh, Aurel and said, hey, I need to do a disc assessment on this person. But also too, she said, well, we need to do a disc assessment on you. I said, well, yeah, that kind of makes sense. So we did a disc assessment on me and we have the D for dominant, the I kind of the outgoing, the S, you know, that team person like, hey, you know what I'm saying? I want to make sure that everything functions and then that C being the detail. Well, uh, fast forward, uh, I don't, I think OJ, I told you this story. Um, 
my wife and I got into a little disagreement Mm -hmm. and I sat back and went back to the disc assessment and it was mind blowing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, you know, we have, uh, we have the twins and my wife and we were arguing about, of all things, what to get for dinner. So this is not a, you know, say this is not, hey, are we going to be able to make the mortgage payment? It's like literally, what are we going to get for dinner? I'm focused. I just tell me what we're doing. I don't need a bunch of details. She's trying to give me 30 items on the menu. I'm at her like, well, just pick something. And she's like, well, I'm trying to, right? And then we get into this argument and we're, we're not talking. And it's so, and it's so funny, <laughs> it's like being 2020. And I put out the disc assessment. I said, oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. The four people in this house hit all four of these personalities. So granted, you may have, you know, a couple, you know, two or three, uh, but but if I was to identify my family, I would be the D. I don't need a whole bunch of fluff. Just tell me what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the outgoing would be my youngest twin, right? So she's just life of the party, super funny, right? The teen person who holds us all together is my wife, Sarah. Mm-hmm. And then the detailed person who needs all the detail is the oldest twin who just needs all of the detail. So the disc assessment was so powerful for us as a family when I, sh- I shared it with Sarah after she got mad at me for yelling her about dinner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was, wow, we have all of these different personality types in here. And when we can stay, keep that top of mind right. in dealing with our family, we just move better because we know we're all wired differently. Yeah. Yeah. And that's huge. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, so it's acceptance of yourself, but it's acceptance of others as well. And so it's not like you now have to give your your twin that needs all the details. You don't have to give her all the details, but you can understand her need to have more details. And so you could maybe help her by say, or improve your communication by saying to her, okay, um, like what are the most important things you need to know before we can make a decision on this? And, you know, she might say, well, like I need these 20 things. And you'll say like, how about we agree to five? There it is. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. And actually, we there's a new disc assessment out now called the student disc assessment. So it's for okay. we can you, we can do it on um, children like as young as I think eight through okay. like six fifteen. Um, okay. So you know, doing this with a family is also really fun um, to be able to see like how you know, and just for you to tweak how you communicate with Sarah can be so valuable. And it's not like you have to change who you are. It's you have to understand who she is and vice versa. And so I think it can make it very effective. Absolutely. So that's just awesome to me because again, you said it at the very beginning, leadership is not your title at the job or the company leadership is where you are right now because ultimately we're all leading somebody ultimately there's somebody who's looking up to us and 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 looking and we may not even realize that we're leading them through our actions or our conversations but we definitely are so this is just absolutely phenomenal and then kind of tying this all back to kind of what our our topic was our title was you know the mindset to navigate through this this crisis OJ, if, if you had to leave our listeners, because right now these are just tough times. You, yes. you've, you've reached out to me and checked out, checked on me and said, hey, Perry, how are you doing with all mm-hmm. the, you know, you know, so heightened racial tension and, you know, saying and just just being a true friend and an ally and, you know, reaching out to me. And that's just how we've always moved with each other. Hey, do you need anything? What do you need help with? Um, mm-hmm. For individuals who are just feeling that overwhelm that you talked about earlier and navigating through the crisis, like what was a, a, a takeaway or two that you would tell them just to get them going in the right direction? Cause I think so many of us need it right now. 
Right. So I've got three questions that I would challenge everybody to ask themselves okay. um, regularly. So I'm going to read them so I don't forget anything. Yep. So the first question is, how will this crisis make me better? Wow. Stop there. I love the way that's worded. How will this crisis make, make me better. better? Wow. It's, it's already framed positively, which is what I love. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like, what will I get out of this crisis? It's like, yeah. how will it make me better? Wow. How will this crisis make me? That's awesome. Okay, keep going. Right. Second question is, how will I use this crisis to help others? Jeez, OJ, how will I use this crisis to help others? Oh, wow, that's powerful. Okay. And then third one I think is really important. What action will I take that will improve my situation? And I think this is so important because I think sometimes in this current environment, we feel helpless. We feel small in this huge world of upheaval. But if we can take a simple action, to improve our situation, that is really important. So ask yourself, what action can I take? It can seem as small and insignificant, but take an action. You know, it may be that, like, you only check the news headlines once a day. Right. Um, or you um, go for a walk. Yeah. Or you... Um, Try to make at least one of your meals more healthy than it has been. I mean, yeah. whatever that action is for you, don't think it has to be heroic or enormous or like, you know, that could be reported on CNN. Yeah. Like, what action can you take to make your situation better? Wow. I know I, I'm going to go You have to move from thinking mm -hmm. to action. I love this. I know I'm going to go back and watch the replay on this. So I'll, I'll make sure I got my questions here. How will this crisis make me better? That's so powerful just in and of itself, right? Yeah. You know, um, the second one here, how will I use this crisis to help others? That's so phenomenal and so selfless. Like, how will I use this crisis to help others? That's phenomenal. And then what actions will I take to improve my situation? I think, uh, honestly, OJ, if, if folks share this and, and, and listen through this thing, like those three questions would, it, it wouldn't be the magic wand to fix everything, but it would sure be a really good start. If people really ask themselves those questions, whether they're thinking about their finances, whether they're thinking about their business, whether it's their family, whether it's the, you know, saying the political yeah, polarization. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is absolutely These phenomenal. Are steps up the hill. Okay. Okay. I love the steps up the hill, man. OJ, thank you so much for taking the time out today to, you know, share these absolute gems with us. And I know you come from just a a, a place of servitude and helping and, and wanting to help people grow. And it just, you know, it's evident in, in, in kind of what you shared here with us. For individuals, companies, corporations um, looking to get in contact with you, what's the best way to connect with you? So um, by email, which would be Aurel at limitlessgrowthstrategies.com mm -hmm. um, or um, my cell phone, which is 614-657-0211. Okay, y'all, there you have it. Um, you see, y'all, why I tell people I have an unfair advantage 
uh, when it comes to business because I have so many phenomenal clients like Aurel Jackson and some of the other guests that you've heard from uh, uh, over the past couple of weeks. So, OJ, just thank you so much. If you're listening to this podcast or watching it live, please share it. Our world needs it. Please be a leader and share this with somebody. Share this with everybody because this is what we need to hear as a community to kind of start this healing process and this growth process. And again, it's going to be uphill. I think OJ said that right at the very beginning, like anything worthwhile is, is, is an uphill climb, right? This can start us having the conversations that we need to have. So again, y'all share this. Make sure you go to perryjeffries.com. We have uh, some additional uh, complimentary content out there. Visit us on YouTube. You can find us on IG, the Entrepreneur CFO. Uh, and be sure to subscribe to the podcast and be sure to share this information with other people. So with that being said, y'all, Ms. Jackson, thank you so much for being who you are, for joining us here. And, uh, you know, so I know we'll be talking to each other here soon. So just thank you so much and just really appreciate you joining us. Thank you. And thank you for all that you do, Perry. Yo, thank you so much for listening to Cash Flow Unlocked. Now, if you want to connect with me and other professionals just like you who are on a mission to close the wealth gap and create generational wealth, then head over and join us in our private Facebook group the cash flow club right now just head on over to facebook and type in this way t-h-e space k-a-s-h f-l-o-w space club the cash flow club cash flow spelled with a k when you join you'll get access not only to our team of experts but also live q a to get your questions answered in real time and an abundance of other resources which will help you get closer to financial freedom.